You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated his, well, first of all, his death and then his resurrection. And it was, ah, it was a good weekend. It was a good, good week following that just to, to be continually reminded of that. And uh, yeah, this morning I want to talk about prayer. And about three weeks ago, Shar and I were, were faced with a potentially life-changing situation. It's not often that you, you have these like huge moments that honestly could change your life. And uh, the weeks leading up to this moment were filled with a lot of prayer and a lot of serious talks between Shar and I, a lot of emailing, uh, filling out an application form, more prayer and doubts and questions and stuff. And then on, on Monday, March 12th, that's the, that was the big day, I had to get up at around 4.30 in the morning for a video interview, job interview, at 5 in the morning. That is not an ideal time for a job interview. But the reason it was so early was because it was for a pastor job from a church in London, England. And uh, I thought the interview went well, but right after it was done, both Shar and I had our doubts about whether that this job would be a good fit for us. And so we prayed once more that God would give us clarity, and if this job wasn't for me, then they wouldn't offer it to me. Pretty simple. And later that day, I indeed got an email saying that they were not going to offer me this job. And I was disappointed, because it's London. (laughs) That'd be pretty sweet. But I understood the reasoning. They didn't want me there. They didn't want me for the job. And after that, I I still had that moment of like, ooh, what now, God? You know, I had sunk a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of thought into this whole process. And after that, Shar and I, you know, we continued to talk about this and, and kind of debrief ourselves from this situation. And we decided to take a break kind of from, from looking for a new job and even praying specifically about jobs. And instead, uh, just praying to be in God's presence. And as I said, that was about three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, Greg asked me if I wanted to preach today. And when he responded, or when I asked him, what, what should I preach about? He responded, prayer. <laughs> and it seemed that God was trying to tell me something here. Uh, you know, the, the last couple months really has, has been uh, me trying to, to focus in and, you know, kind of get into the prayer thing. And there's a lot that can be said about prayer. I'm sure that we're all aware of that. There's lots of verses in the Bible tons of books that have been written about prayer. There's more than one sermon's worth of material, that's for sure. But what I want to talk about today is, is what I've been living for the last few weeks. As I've said, there's been a lot of prayer in my life. Being in prayer, not specifically asking God for something, although that is a portion of prayer, but just to be at the feet of Jesus. Now, there's that story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. I'm sure we're all aware of that. Jesus and his entourage of disciples and hanger-oners come over to Mary and Martha's house, and they um, just want to hang out there. And Jesus is teaching over in one room, and Martha sees this huge crowd of people, and she's like, oh, man, i got to prepare food. i got to make stuff. I need to make, clean up my house and all this kind of thing. And she chooses to, to be, you know, to serve which really there's nothing wrong with. But then she sees her sister Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and absorbing what Jesus is teaching. And so she goes to, uh, Martha goes to Jesus and says, don't you see? Like, get her to help me. I have so much to do. And Jesus responds, 
just just let her be. Just let her sit at my feet and and learn. That's the better portion. And that's what I wanted to. I want to choose the Mary portion of life, to be at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn and be with God instead of being distracted by the million other things that are going on. And so as I was reading, as I was preparing, I was reading John chapter 15. It started to sink in that the words of Jesus in that chapter specifically uh, were applying to me at this point. Abide in me. And so I want to read that this morning. I want to read the, the first 11 verses of John 15. And so, so please turn in your Bibles or your apps to that. I'll be reading from the ESV. And it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Lord, and we just take a breath. Lord, we want to abide in you this morning. We want to just sink into your presence, and we want to be. So God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would would dwell in us richly. God, that you would take my words and make them usable. Amen. So, abide. That's a word that I I think I'm I'm still trying to fully understand. Um, it, it, It means to stay, to wait, to not depart. That sort of thing. But it, it seems to me that there's a lot more to it than that. All right, when you look at the, uh, the, the verses I just read, it seems that there's, there's a lot more depth to it. And I was thinking, and it, it feels like abiding is kind of like entering a house where you feel at home, taking your shoes off, staying a long time. It feels comfortable enough to open up the fridge or the cupboards and root around for snacks that you like to eat. You know, sitting down on the couch, you know, putting your feet up on the coffee table, no fear of reprisal there, on that coffee table, and having coffee with someone, right? Just sitting there, having coffee with someone, taking a deep breath, and enjoying the silence or the noise with someone sitting right beside you. 
and occasionally just looking at each other, smiling, nodding, and maybe having a nap. I like naps. And waking up and continuing to enjoy each other's presence. This idea of abiding. Abiding with Christ is what I strive for, what we should all strive for. It's a worthy goal and an excellent journey at the same time. Now, my definition of abiding was a very long run-on sentence that sounds suspiciously like hanging out, (laughs) and it sounds like it is time-consuming. It's this thing that takes a long time. It's this, you know, hanging out. It it can take a while. Uh, It's not something to, to quickly do. It's not something to easily do. And I'm sure that you can all agree with me that there are things in our lives that get in the way of this abiding, all right, the other stuff of life. And those things aren't bad. They're necessary things. They're the good things in life. You know, for me, hanging out with Shar, my wife, playing with my kids, Nora and Huxley. I'm a welder, so I need to go to work. I need to weld. I need to organize and keep the rest of the welding shop running smoothly so that all the other guys in my shop can keep on working. You know, there's shopping for groceries, running errands, uh, getting our car fixed, running Youthgate, uh, coming to church. All these things, they're all good. Maybe not fixing the car, but they're all good things that we need to do, right? All those things, and I'm sure that in your minds there's, there's other things that come into mind. It's like, oh man, there's so many things we need to do. All these things, things, things. All these things are necessary. And most of them are good, but they take time, right? They take time, and we do those things, and then it seems we don't have time to abide with Christ, to abide in Christ. We don't have time to pray. And I think what we need to do is to redefine what prayer can look like in our lives. And if we do that, we might all of a sudden find that we have time to do it. We need to redefine what prayer can look like in our lives. Because the key, I believe, is finding a rhythm of prayer. A daily rhythm, a set routine that's set into our day in the bits of time that we can find. So let's, let's just think through our, our, daily, our daily lives just for a little bit. Who, who drives a car to work? Yeah, most of us, some of us. My drive takes 12 minutes from my house to my shop. All right, um, who showers every day? You better raise your hand. <laughs> you know, that's okay, maybe another 15, 20 minutes, right? Um, who goes to the bathroom every day? All right, that's another five minutes. Who makes coffee every morning? Some of us, yeah, that's, that's how we start the day, right? So that's, you know, maybe another five minutes. If you're using a Keurig, maybe a little bit shorter. AeroPress takes me about five minutes. Pour over, well, that's like ten minutes. So who has a 15-minute coffee break in the morning and afternoon at work? Yeah, we all have breaks. We all have lunch breaks. You know, that's 15 minutes, maybe half an hour. Um... Who puts their kids down for a nap? Sometimes I do. There's a few people, yeah, good old, like good for you moms. Stay-at-home moms, you guys are working just as hard as the rest of us. Good for you. Well, you're rocking your kids to sleep. What else do you do? You can't really do that much. You can't, you know, play on your phone or you can't do anything. So that's maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, right? What is something, that, you know, there's things that, that happen e- in each of our lives on a daily basis that if we really think about, we're like, oh, maybe I do have time. 
You know, when I, like as a specific example, when I drive to work, you know, what, what else is there to do? I, I look straight ahead at the road. You know, I make sure I'm driving safely, but I'm on the highway from Coldale to Lethbridge every morning, every evening for 12 minutes. You know, that, that's undivided attention time, right? There's, there's usually no one else is in the vehicle with me. I can pay attention and I can pray. And I think you know where I'm going with this. We do have time. We do have time during the day, but it comes in small chunks. It comes in just little bits of time. And to take these small bits of time and use them wisely, I believe, is the key to having a rhythm of prayer. And so I, I say, find a system, and dare I even use the word discipline, <laughs> that can use those bits of time and transform them into a habit of abiding in Christ. You know, prayer doesn't have to be this, I don't know what, what ideas that you have in your mind of what prayer should be or what prayer needs to be, but it doesn't need to be the, this, this formal hour-long block of time where we, you know, we fold our hands, we close our eyes. I'd, I'd just fall asleep if I did that. You know, I think any parent, any person, really, if, you, if, they, if someone said, sit there in that nice, comfortable chair and close your eyes, <laughs> we just fall asleep. We, you know, we wouldn't be praying for very long. And, that, and that's the thing. I think some of us have, including myself in, earlier in life, we had this idea, okay, if I'm going to pray, man, I need to, I need to do you know, this big ritual. I need to set aside lots of time so I can have time to do this. I don't think that's really necessary. You know, if, if we take the small bits of time, as I said, we find that we have lots of time. You know, just for small chunks. And if we look at people in the Bible, that's what they did. Uh, they set a rhythm. They set a habit of prayer throughout the day. Uh, Daniel, a guy in the Old Testament, he was a prophet. Uh, he was a pretty high-ranking Babylonian government official. And I'm sure with that kind of responsibility and that title that he had, he was pretty busy throughout the day. I'm sure he had lots of things, lots of messengers coming and going. He had to go to meetings. He had to respond to things. But it says that he found time to come back to his house three times a day and pray. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had previously done. So more on that document that had been signed in a little bit. There's a verse that hints that King David had uh, perhaps a similar prayer schedule, a prayer rhythm. In Psalm 55, 16-17, it says, But I call to you, God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon... I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Right, this rhythm of, of evening, noon, or morning, noon, and evening in his life. It says, we can kind of piece together little bits, uh, that the apostles in the book of Acts went to the temple to pray on a very regular basis. And it seems that Jesus himself took time to pray in the morning, and it, and it sounds like he literally went and hid somewhere. He went out, like, way far away, and he prayed. In Mark 1, 35-37, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. 
And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So it wasn't just simply around the corner at a coffee shop or something like that. Like, I don't know, he must have hiked like miles out of the way, and everybody was looking for Jesus. Right? That's how much Jesus needed, he, he wanted to be alone, he wanted to pray. And I think probably on purpose he hid so people wouldn't be able to find him right away. And outside the Bible, later in, in history, we, we find lots of people that have rhythms of prayer. People like monks and nuns, all right? these uh, amazing people that prayed seven or eight times a day. They had, you know, if you look into it, for these communities, they're focused on a daily rhythm of prayer. And sometimes, like eight, hour, or eight times a day, every three hours continuously throughout 24-hour periods. And so that means, like, seriously, some monks are getting up in the middle of the night. They go pray, and then they go back to bed. And then they get up really, really early in the morning, and then they pray, and then they start their day. I think they get naps, though, so that's a good thing, too. But for those communities, prayer is usually communal, right, in their chapel, in their church. And as I said, it starts early in the morning, and it continues throughout the day. And the day is broken up by numerous calls to prayer. You know, the one account I was, I was reading, it was, you know, just the, the, the bell, the church bell chimed, and all the monks were like, okay, now it's time to go pray. And so they, you know, stopped what they were doing, stopped their, their chores or their work, and they went and prayed. To answer those calls to prayer anchors us to Christ and brings us back to the feet of Jesus. We can take a breath. We can offer up a, a simple prayer, read a verse or two, and then, yeah, go back. Keep going with life. Keep going with the things that you were doing. And I believe if we do this often and repeatedly, we'll find that the presence of God will invade our lives. And in between these prayer bits, our minds will be brought to the verses or the prayers that we are reading and saying, and our minds will be filled with constant peace because we're filling our minds with truth on a regular, regular basis. <coughs> this discipline of finding bits of time, though, it's hard. It's something that I've been trying to cultivate in my life and I've been trying to, to stick with this for, for a long time now. Um, you know, I usually read a, a bit of my Bible as I'm having my, my breakfast in the morning. Uh, Shar and I usually pray before I go to work in the morning. And I'm trying to discipline myself now to stop checking my Instagram and Facebook during morning coffee break and instead read my Bible, quiet my mind, and say a simple prayer. Uh, during my work day, I find that if I'm doing menial tasks like, you know, drilling holes, or cutting parts or something like that, my mind can easily not be there. And instead I can pray and I can focus on God while I'm at work. You know, as I said, during my drive to and from work, I can listen to a worship song or I can, you know, pray when I'm doing that. We pray before meals with our kids. Shar and I pray with Nora and Huxley before they go to sleep. And then Shar and I pray together before we go to sleep. All these little bits of time throughout the day. And as well, Wednesday mornings, I, I usually come to the church before I, I go to work, and I pray for the church, I pray for our family, I pray for whatever's on my mind. And, uh, you know, you're definitely more than welcome to come. I come here and get here around 6.45 or so, and I pray until about 7.30. So 
please feel free, welcome, to come and, and join me for a pretty unstructured time of prayer at Wednesday mornings. But here's the thing, it's a discipline. It's a discipline, and I know that's not a very fun word, and it's a word that we don't like to, to use or to say or even to talk about, to discipline yourself. You know, it's, it's, more, it's easier, it's more fun just to be like, ah, just do whatever you want to do, it's okay. But it's a discipline. It's tough to get it into my mind that this is important, and it's tough to get into a habit of doing it. And it's, as I said, it's a lot easier just to, to waste time on Instagram, Facebook, on my phone. It's tough to pray when you know you have a thousand other things to think about. But then the question is, why do we need to pray? Why do we need to cultivate this habit, this discipline? And I think if we look at the example of Jesus, he's a pretty good example to look at. He prayed because he had big things to do. He prayed because there was a lot of things on his mind. He had a lot of stuff to do that was ahead of him, and so he stopped and prayed. Now the verses in Mark that I was really reading earlier about him praying in a desolate place continue with the verses right after that. So his disciples say, everyone's looking for you. And he responds, and he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. That's a lot to do. He had a busy schedule, and so he stopped and prayed. Jesus was consistent in that he prayed and spent time with his Father all the time because he knew he was busy. He knew he had a lot going on, and so he knew he needed to pray. And as it says in John 15:10, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus himself needed to abide in the Father's love. If Jesus needed to abide, we certainly need to. <laughs> and as I said earlier, we need to redefine what prayer can look like in our lives. And if we do that, we might find we do have time for it. The truth is that prayer needs to be accessible to everyone. Not just holy people, not just pastors, but everyone. Prayer should be accessible and prayer should be doable in whatever our daily life turns out to be. And prayer is doable. I encourage you, it is doable. We do need to make it a priority though, right? Just like anything, just like if you want to commit to, to getting more healthy or getting to be more you know, into, the, into fitness, you need to commit to it. You need to make it a priority. Just like any habit or discipline, it takes time to make it part of our daily routine. I believe that once we do, once we have that, that habitual thing in our, in our day, we will see change in our life. We will. That change in our lives is why we need to pray. When we pray and abide in Christ, when we sit at the feet of Jesus, our lives will change. So let's go back to John 15, and I want to read it again and see if you can pick out the changes that will occur in us if we abide in Jesus. So I'm going to read this again. I am the, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. If we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit in our lives. Our lives will overflow with the character of Christ, and we will have a life that draws others to Christ. If we abide in Christ and Jesus' words abide in us, our prayers will become aligned to God's will, and God will answer those prayers. This is to bring God glory. It's not for our own personal gain, but for God's glory, for His praise. If we follow Jesus' teaching and abide in Him, Jesus' joy will abide in us, and our joy may be full to the overflowing. That's why we should have a daily discipline of prayer. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago at uh, youth, uh, we're, we're going through Alpha right now, and we're doing a session about the Bible. And I asked the question, how much do you read your Bible? And uh, Shiloh Borsma responded with something that was, was quite profound. She said that reading your Bible is like being fed. All right, so she eats food three times a day. And so she reads her Bible three times a day. She said it was like the most obvious thing in the world. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> if we see praying and praying Scripture as our spiritual meals, let's stay well-fed throughout the day. Let's stay healthy in our spiritual diet. I want to go back to the story of Daniel for a bit. I said we're going to go back to this document that had been signed. Because when he found out this document had been signed, he went up and prayed like he had always done. It was his habit, it was his discipline to pray three times a day. And this document, what it was, is a law that was saying that anyone who prayed to anyone but the king of Babylon would be thrown into the lion's den. All right, so knowing the consequences of his actions would be, would be certain death, Right? Daniel goes up and prays. 
You know, it, it just it seems like it, it's not even a, a question in his mind. He's like, okay, this, this law is being signed. Well, i got to go pray. <laughs> he continues with his habit because he trusts God. He has lived his whole life by trusting God and spending time with God, so why would he stop now? You know, if you read the whole book of Daniel... It's an amazing story, especially, you know, like the, the last part, that's more of his visions and, 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 you know, more of the prophetic side of things, which is kind of interesting and it's kind of weird, hard to understand. But the first part of Daniel is the story of Daniel and, you know, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they were, you know, exiles. They were taken from their homeland of Israel, taken to Babylon, and then they really excelled in, you know, being exiles and the and and the king of babylon brought them up to you know the the level of high ranking government officials and throughout this whole story and i'm sure it took over took place over the course of many many years it wasn't just like you know one or two years daniel was a young man when he was brought to babylon and it kind of sounds like he was an old man when this uh, story of daniel and the lions then happened You'll see that Daniel and his three friends always, always trusted God that God would come through. And God always did come through. And it doesn't say it, but I'd like to think and I believe that Daniel and his friends had a daily cultivated discipline of prayer. And, and they probably made a choice right first when they got there. You know, like, well, we, we could just fall in with the, the, the ways of Babylon and kind of leave our old religion, our old relationship with God behind. But instead, they, they took a stand, and they said, nope, we're going we're gonna to continue with this relationship with God. We're going to continue with this way of living, and we're going to abide in God. And so why would, why would he stop? Why would he stop abiding in God when he knew that God was the one who could save him from the lions? When we pray as a daily discipline, a crisis or a hard situation doesn't have to throw us. We don't have to stress about it because we've built this foundation by sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his voice of truth. And we can have that peace to continue to abide through the crisis, during the crisis. Proverbs 18.10 states that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous man runs into it and is safe. Fill our minds with your name, O Lord. Fill our days and our routines with you and your word and your truth. God, give us discipline to shape our days so that we can sit at your feet and learn from you and our lives might become more like you, filled with your character.